0: just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode sixty seven. Of the SCO show. My name is Mark Schofield, back with you on today, Monday, January 20th, 2020. And by the time you listen to this show, I will either be on the ground or en route to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. So we will kick off Senior Bowl week with a look at the six quarterbacks. Yes, six and It will be down in Mobile, put it on a show, hopefully, for the NFL scouts, the media evaluators, and even chuckleheads like me who will be in attendance. Before we dive into these six QBs, and of course, briefly mention a seventh who will not be in attendance, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks, perhaps more importantly this week than any other week, at Mark Schofield on Twitter, and I'll even drop the gram on you. Why? Well, you might see some Instagram content from me as well this week. You can follow me on Instagram, I am mascho O three nine one six on the IG. But do follow along with Twitter at Mark Schofield because I'll be doing stuff live from practices, live tweeting stuff, video clips, all sorts of stuff. I will be covering the game for a number of outlets, including Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and yes, the 3SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Now, let's talk about the 6QBs, but before we do that, We'll mention the 7th, who will not be there. That is Joe Burrow, as expected. Fresh off a big win in the Natty, fresh off a trip to Washington, D.C. With his LSU Tigers, Joe Burrow will not be making the trip. It was announced Saturday. Uh, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, tweeted out that he had a wonderful conversation with Joe, but he's going to be going home and spending some time with some family members before getting ready for the combine. And let's be honest, Joe Burrow had nothing left to prove. Nothing. Like There's nothing this guy could have done that would have made people either higher on him or not. I think the guy's pretty much locked in at the first overall pick. And so we'll take Joe Burrow, as as disappointed as it might be not to see him in person, and put him to the side. Because we got six other quarterbacks to talk about. And I'm going to tier them. I'm going to put them into tiers um, roughly day one, day two, and day three guys. And that's sitting here right now where I anticipate them getting selected. Not where I would put them but where I would anticipate them getting selected. We'll start with the day one guys. The guys I think will end up in the first round. And we'll start with Justin Herbert. I'm from Oregon, a senior who, you know, many people thought might have been in the mix for QB1, but with the rise of Burrow, kind of slid by the wayside a bit. But I don't think you should discount Justin Herbert. I'm probably, in in talking to others and talking to other draft evaluators and other people in the media it seems that I'm higher on him than some not all because I know he does have some fans but it does seem that the rise of Burrow also in a way started a little slide of Herbert I think he has a tremendous arm talent good athleticism um, I've got you know, basically three years of film on him, you know, dating back to games against Arizona and Oregon State in 2017. Um, I like his ability to throw with velocity when he needs to. Back shoulder throws 30, 40 yards downfield. He can make those throws with an incredible velocity, incredible placement. You know, if you're looking for somebody that can give you sort of the back shoulder game day one, Justin Herbert can do that. I think his arm talent is among the best in this class. Maybe not the best, but he certainly can rip it. Uh, throws some seam balls with incredible velocity. The one thing that's sort of interesting about him from a ball placement and mechanical standpoint, maybe more than one thing, there's there are some times when it's like he doesn't know how to kill the bunny to steal a line from Swinners. He's got these claws and these fanes, and he doesn't know how to kill the bunny. I broke down... His interceptions for the Matt Waldman RSP site. And there was a seam route throw against Cal where it was like he just he doesn't know how to feather throws into the intermediate area of the field. Josh Allen esque in a sense. And we'll get back to a Josh Allen comparison in a minute. I think mechanically, he's okay. You know, I'm always of the mind that mechanics don't matter until they matter. I don't think they matter with him yet, but he does have a wide base, and there are times when he doesn't transfer weight properly from the back leg to the front leg doesn't really finish going through throws finishing through his front leg and that points to the fact that look he could actually get better in terms of velocity the scheme is going to be an issue you look at his offense and it raised a question for me a couple of years ago studying him is he a point guard or is he a true creator you know because it seems like their offense is really designed a lot of just bubbles and smokes and just him getting the ball out of his hands, trying to get into people in space like a point guard, you know, or is he really going to be able to create things? Is he going to be able to, you know, rip a dig route on a third and 12? Maybe you don't need him to do that, but if that's what you're looking for, he might not be the quarterback for you very athletic. He can give you stuff with his legs. He can give you some design stuff in the running game. And so I like him from that standpoint. What I want to see from him down in Mobile, I want to see consistency with the arm, and I want to see how he fares outside of the Oregon offense. You know, I'm still high on him. I don't anticipate him getting out of the top 10. I really think what, you know, but we're going to see him start to rise a bit, I think. I think he's going to have a very good week down in Mobile. I think he's going to look great throwing, you know, in shorts, throwing in hat and shells, and then, you know, in the full padded practices as well. So I think he's going to have a good week. And it wouldn't surprise me as we get out of Mobile and start looking ahead to the combine and pro days, you're hearing some top 10 buzz on him. So that's a quick look at Justin Herbert. The other guy I think is sort of a day one guy is Jordan Love. And I'm probably not as high on him as I am Herbert. I see the talent. The kid can certainly rip it. But there are some throws of his that he has made, and I'm not done studying him, that leave me scratching my head. You know, some decisions, some reads, even some placement stuff where it's like somebody with his arm talent shouldn't be missing throws like this. I think that his interceptions this year have soured a lot of people on him, and so a lot of people are thinking, I don't know about this kid. But at the same time, I do think if you look back at his 2018 film, you know, you see somebody that showed you some processing speed stuff, some full field read stuff, the ability to get through progressions, and he showed it this year as well. You look at his game against LSU, and particularly at the start of that game. Now, LSU, national champion, hugely talented defense, and you see him doing some really good stuff. He had a throw in a second and 10 where they go Ohio to the right side, where it's go flat. And then backside, they have number two, the inside receiver on a post, outside receiver on a curl. He opens to the right. He wants to throw the out route, but he doesn't like it. He sees the overhand defenders breaking on that route. So he works backside, checks the post in the middle of the field, then throws the curl. And what I love about how he throws the curl on this play, cornerback over the one, over the curl receiver, is playing with inside leverage. So his ball placement is to the boundary shoulder. It leads the receiver away from that leverage defender, and he's able to generate yak as a result of this. So there's stuff like that on tape. He also had a throw. It's one that I tweeted out. He throws a bang-eight post route to the Y on the right. Just a perfect throw on a second and 10 at the plus 30, and this is early in the game. If that route is caught, if that ball is caught, it's six. And they have an early lead on LSU on the road. They probably still don't win that game. But I'm just saying, he rips that throw. And so there are things that Jordan Love can do that are going to get people excited. Not that these are the two, you know, not that these two quarterbacks are the same in any way. But I get a feeling watching him, as I did studying last year, getting ready for Jared Stidham. And what I mean by it is this, and Joe Marino from the Draft Network and Draft Dudes, you know, he s- tweeted out last year about Stidham that he's going to look great down in Mobile throwing the football in a helmet and, sh- and shorts and t-shirt and, you know, not in full pads and anything like that. He's going to look fantastic and people are going to get excited and he's going to rise up boards. And I felt the same way because I thought getting Stidham out of wet. Auburn was asking him to do offensive lead into a Kyle Shanahan offense. It's going to be perfect for him. He's going to look great. And look what happened. He went from a guy that people were wondering about to a New England Patriot. I feel the same way about Jordan Love. Not that they're, again, they're not the same quarterback and they're viewed much differently right now. But where Jordan Love is sort of a fringe first round prospect in people's minds, similar to what I said about Herbert. You are going to be believing in Jordan Love after Mobile. Why? Because he's going to look great throwing the ball. And the kid can absolutely throw the ball all over the field with velocity, on a rope. The, him and Herbert can put on a show throwing the football. And so those two guys I think are going to come out of Mobile with a lot of buzz. And I really think that through this process, they're going to cement themselves as first-round picks. I still have questions. And from Love, what I want to, what I want to see more than anything else is consistency. I feel like that's something that was really lacking from him this year, studying him on a tape. I feel like if he puts a consistent week together, he'll really help himself. But those are the two day one guys. When we come back here in a second, I want to talk about the day two and day three guys again, tiered up into day two, day two guys and two day three guys. That's ahead on this episode 67 quarterback preview show of the Scow Show. Just go to Frito-Lay No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-Lay Snacket.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 67 of the SCO Show, previewing the senior bowl quarterbacks I'll be watching this week down in Mobile in Speaking of this week, I'm going to sort of set the stage for what I'm going to be doing, where you can find me. As I said, Twitter and Instagram, probably two places. But I'm going to be doing five pieces for Pro Football Weekly. I'm going to be doing shows each day here for Pat's Pulpit. We'll have a show Tuesday about the Tuesday practices, Wednesday practices, Thursday practices as well. Maybe something for Friday for a sort of recap, but I'll be traveling Friday. I'll probably be doing some QB Sco Show stuff because Michael Kitts will be right down the street from me uh Airbnb, so I'm going to be doing some stuff with Kist as well. So do follow along with the stuff. It's going to be a very busy week, but there's always a lot of coverage. The Pro Football Weekly stuff will be from a Bears standpoint, but just so you know, I'm going to be covering quarterbacks heavily over there as well as offensive linemen, and so there will be some overlap in terms of what i gonna be looking at. I believe linebackers too, another position they want me to check out while I'm down there. So you can read that stuff. It will be useful. Patriots coverage as well. So get excited. It's going to be an awesome week. Let's talk to two day two guys. Again, I've tiered these six quarterbacks into three groups of two. We talked about Justin Herbert and Jordan Love a second ago. Now we're going to to get to the guy that I'm most excited to see out of all these guys. And yes, that includes two guys that are probably going on the first night of the draft. And that's Anthony Gordon from Washington State. And I was excited last year about seeing Gardner Minshew, and he was a fantastic human being to talk to. I mean, I kid you not. I, I, I literally almost—I probably did swoon when he hit me with the air quotes about, you know, quote-unquote pro-style offenses don't get you ready for the National Football League, but Leach's West Coast—oh, my God, his air—oh, it, it was great. But now we get Anthony Gordon, who literally has never taken a snap from center. Sage Rosenfeld's former quarterback, is now working with them on that. And I've talked about this before, but I'll reiterate. It was a point from Justice Mosqueda about how— You're getting, in the league right now, the guys like Mahomes and others, they grew up watching Brett Favre, and so we're going to get quarterbacks that want to be Favre playing in the league. Now, the kids that watched Mahomes and are watching Mahomes, they're coming, and Gordon is at the top of that list. You see him trying these risky, audacious throws. You see him trying no-look stuff. You see him doing stuff that most quarterbacks would get benched for, but Leach loves it. And... I do think like Gordon has a great understanding of leverage, particularly thrown against underneath defenders. Another thing to keep in mind, got a ton of reps. I mean, he's thrown at 60, 70 times a game. I think he has a very good arm for the National Football League. I think, similar to what Gardner Minshew told me about Leach's air raid offense, you're going full field, four or five progression reads, sideline to sideline on every single play. It might not be NFL pro-style concepts, but for example— In Leach's offense, the way they run Y-cross, it's fantastic because now he's added a smoke element to it. So say to the left side of the formation, you've got a smoke screen, the go route, and you're looking as the quarterback all the way to the left boundary. You're peeking the smoke. You're peeking the go. Then you work to the Y-cross. The crosser coming from right to left from the slot receiver on the right. You're reading that, and if it's not there, you go all the way back to the right to the other sideline to throw the backside curl. That's a full field read, four progression reads on a single play. As much as I like Justin Herbert, he's not doing stuff like that all too often. But in Leach's offense, that's one of their core plays. It's the play that, like you know, when you're playing Madden, you call it over and over and over again, like me with the Texas route. And so that's what Gordon can bring to the table. And that stuff works in the National Football We saw it with Gardner Minshew this year you can be a successful quarterback with that offense. So, very excited about Gordon. I want to see him sort of in a more structured offense. Want to see him doing some of the you know, drops from center and things like that. I want to see how he transitions to that aspect of playing the position. Mechanically, he's a bit messy. You know me though. Mechanics don't matter until they matter. And I'm fine with the way he is mechanically. I actually think he's good mechanically in the sense that Two things stick out. One, he has a really quick snap release, and that helps. Two, it took me a while to figure it out, but he keeps that offhand, that left hand, really glued to the football as he's, like, starting the throw. So it almost looks like at times he's throwing two-handed, and it causes a lot of torque in the upper body. It looks weird, but once I figured it out, I got on board with it. And so Anthony Gordon, really excited to see him. The other quarterback I would put in this sort of day-two tier, you know, rounds two and three, you know, I think Gordon gets there. League might view him differently, but I think he gets there, is Jalen Hurts. And I want to start by dissuading people of the comp that I've seen far too often already, which is Lamar Jackson. And I want to dissuade people of that for two reasons. One, they're very different players. And two, I do believe that Lamar Jackson was advanced as a passer above where Jalen Hurts is right now. So I want to just put that out there. I'm seeing a lot of people trying to make that comp. I wouldn't go there. One, they're different runners. A lot of people see you know, a guy that can make plays with his feet and can be effective and deadly effective as a runner, and they think, oh, it's Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar is a home run hitter who makes you miss. Jalen runs more with power. You know, He's more of like a running back type that will sometimes seek out contact. He's not really trying to make you miss in the open field too often. He can do it, but it's not his strength as a runner. And so they're different as runners. They're different as passers. You know, Hertz has more of a wind up in a loop to his delivery. The mechanics are a bit messy. Throws the deep ball pretty well. Lamar, everything was tight and kept together. The footwork's tight. The base was tight. The release was tight. The snap throw from the ear. No real loop to it. Really low release point. And so they're very different mechanically. And I think as far as in terms of processing speed, while Hertz can get you like full field reads, I think Lamar Jackson was a better processor. And so, again, I'm trying to separate people from those two comparisons. Hertz throws a deep ball really well. Hertz can kill you in the scramble drill situation. But there's a problem to that. He's a quarterback that the one thing I want to see from him is I want to see him stay a passer as long as he can, longer than he does. Because athletic quarterbacks tend to have this crutch in their mind. And this was my, I don't want to say my only flaw, this was perhaps the top of that long list of, Things I did poorly as a quarterback. But once my feet got going, once I started to transition to runner, I wasn't transitioning back to passer. Like even in scramble drill moments, like I'm thinking now I'm running for my life, mostly because I was terrified of getting hit. But Hurts, while he could still kill you in the scramble drill, there are times when far too often his plan B is I'm going to run. First read isn't there, I'm running it. And he misses opportunities to make throws in the downfield passing game as a result. And so this week, I really want to see him start really honing in on getting through reads from the pocket. Fighting off that urge to transition to runner as quickly as he has been. If he makes progress in that area, teams are going to draft him. I think he's a draftable quarterback, and I think there is a home in the NFL for him. And I think that you can construct an offense for him and be successful. But this is one area I'd like to see some improvement. And speaking of improvement, I think we got two developmental guys after this. That's Stephen Montez and Shea Patterson. Montez from Colorado, Shea Patterson from Michigan. We'll start with Patterson, who obviously started his career at Ole Miss, and you know he he maybe he's sort of the Trace McSorley of this year's crop, and that people have. Rumbled about perhaps a position switch. Maybe he's a defensive back in the NFL. He's very athletic, but I still think that even though we said that about last McSorley last year, he stuck on as a quarterback with the Ravens. And I think that there is a way for Shea Patterson to stick in the NFL. I the most recent game of his that I watched was that if you can call it football game between Iowa and Michigan, which ended ten three, and it was it was a struggle. I actually tweeted out the second half of that game was basically like punt, 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 was It was a tough watch. But buried in that game and that performance from Shea Patterson, I saw some throws where he just ripped it. Just absolutely back-to-back out routes, just perfect throws with good velocity, good placement, timing and rhythm was all there. And so with Patterson, if you sort of dig hard enough... You can find some stuff to like. I think he's a creator. You know, he can sort of create in scramble throws and elsewhere. He can make anticipation throws. He's great on RPOs. Processing speed and everything is there. He's a minimalist in his drops. He rides well on RPOs. He can make some good reads against zero blitz. If his first read is there or if he knows exactly where he's going with the ball, he can kill you. He can drop the arm angle. He can go sidearm. He can really sort of escape. The things I'd like to see him clean up, lower body mechanics are a bit of a mess. They've gotten better from his time at Ole Miss to Michigan. He had a really wide base and a laud lead step, but he's cleaned that up a bit. He does tend to backpedal at times on drops, which is interesting. He gets himself into trouble, into chaos, and he doesn't always get out of it. Um But I think there's a home for him in the NFL. I mean, if Shea, Shea, Trace McSorley made it stick, I think Shea can. And I think that... Given the quarterbacks we're seeing, like Lamar and you know this year Jalen Hart's coming out and people trying to make that Lamar comparison, we're going to see more athletic quarterbacks. There's a need to have an athletic backup, even if it's your practice squad guy, that can give your defense a good look. So I think Patterson can do that. I'm excited to see him this week, to see how he looks, get a chance to talk to him. And then Steven Montez from Colorado, who, again, I think is more of a developmental guy. I did a piece on him over a Matt Waldman's site, The Curious Case of Mr. Montez, where sometimes the reads and the decisions are great. Smash stuff, reads like that. It's like, oh, this is this is good. And then you see like a throw he had against Arizona, a sale concept. He takes a shallow, misses an opportunity on a deep out route. This is on a second and nine. It's like there are times when he's really aggressive and then times when he's not. You know, because... In that Arizona game, that second and nine where he doesn't throw the deep out route, it's like, why didn't you throw it? But then later, in that same game, first and 10, run on the sale concept. Same concept. He learns from the mistakes. He double clutches it, but still throws the deep out. It's like he's, he's starting to get it. And so maybe this is a week where he really gets it. I think the arm talent is sort of there. There's some athleticism. It's sort of what I want to see from him is consistent decision-making. Making Making the right decisions faster than he has been. If he could do that, he'll have himself a nice little week and solidify the fact that he's going to hear his name called. But that's a look at the six quarterbacks that will be down there. Like I said, the next time you will hear from me is from Mobile. We got weigh-ins Tuesday morning. We got practices Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoons. i will be talking to players and all that fun stuff. So please follow along with all the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter masco m a s c h o 3916 on the gram. I'll be doing some stuff on gram as well. So please follow along and just keep on blessing that Patriots reign. Down in Foxborough.